Our reading this morning is about the sacredness of human connection, among the most basic yet, of course, the most challenging affirmations of our faith as Unitarian Universalists. Rabbi Lawrence Kushner is a renowned author and serves as scholar-in-residence of Congregation Iman Uel in San Francisco, California. In his book, Honey from the Rock, Visions of Jewish Mystical Renewal, Kushner wrote this. Some of us seem to be born with a nearly completed puzzle. And so it goes, souls roaming this way and that, trying to assemble the myriad parts. But know this, no one has inside themselves all the pieces to their puzzle. Like when they used to seal jigsaw puzzles in cellophane, ensuring that all the parts were there. Everyone carries with them at least one and probably many pieces to someone else's puzzle. Sometimes they know it, sometimes they don't. And when you present a piece of yourself, which may seem worthless to you, to another, whether you know it or not, whether they know it or not, you are being a messenger of the most high. The words of Rabbi Lawrence Kushner. This morning for my message to you, I wanted to explore those puzzle pieces that Rabbi Kushner talked about and how our connections form the foundations of our faith. A couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of traveling up to the Louisville area to visit my husband's family. One evening while I was there, my mother-in-law asked me to go out and to pick up some dinner for everyone at a seafood restaurant called Moby Dick. I got in my car and I headed out. And as I merged onto the Watterson Expressway, I pulled behind a blue Toyota minivan. Now, this was one of those vans. You know the ones, perhaps you own one. A vehicle on which the bumper stickers seem to have come to life, multiplying freely all across the bumper and up onto the back doors and windows like barnacles on an old pirate ship. I love bumper stickers. It occurs to me that the messages that we choose to stick onto our cars or our backpacks or our skateboards or our briefcases. They are bold statements of who we are and what we hold to be true. Now amidst the plethora of propaganda that this particular Toyota van driver was offering up for me and for other motorists that day on the Watterson Expressway, there were two messages that jumped out at me. The first bumper sticker said, mean people suck. Now I, of course, laughed and I thought, well, you know, okay, that, that's kind of true. But of course, you know and I know that telling unpleasant mean people that they suck is probably not the best way to make them more friendly. It's not really being the change we wanna see in the world. 
The second bumper sticker that I remember on this van, I found a little less amusing and almost disturbing. It read, it's all about me, with the M-E in big red capital letters. I found myself unable not to respond and saying aloud in my car, no, 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 it is not all about you. Now, immediately a little voice in my head said to me, now remember, Bruce, it's not all about you either. Several exits down the highway, I think there was a little voice that may have been down here that chimed into our conversation and said, maybe, maybe it's all about us. Us, U.S., not the country, but humanity. Us. I'd like to put that in big red capital letters for us this morning. Now, that sounds like an easy thing to do. It sounds like one of our Unitarian Universalist principles honoring the interdependent web of all existence. But when it really comes down to it, I think that it can be easier to see that magical web living outside in our gardens or in big social issues like the climate crisis. Easier to see it there than in other people. Many times living like it is all about us and not me isn't that easy at all. It is a basic common denominator of being human that we see the world through our own set of eyes. We know life through our own experiences. We judge how things are and how they're going to be by how they are and how they have been for us personally. On my way to that seafood restaurant in Louisville that day, I began to think about another seafood restaurant, a place in Myrtle Beach that my mom and my dad liked to take me to when I was young. On one of our frequent visitors to this restaurant called Captain George's, my mom was looking over the menu and she decided that she would try the oysters. My mom had never eaten oysters before, but she was not shy to take new adventures. When her plate arrived, my mom took a few cautious bites and made a face. And she announced to everybody that something was foul. My father smelled her entree and concluded with the certainty of a chemical engineer that these oysters were indeed rotten. The infamous bad oysters of Myrtle Beach have become a touchstone in my family's shared memory. For years after that night, my mother would not try an oyster, not a bite. Her experience had taught her not to. And she always wondered how other people could eat them and survive. It took like a decade and a half before she would make another oyster attempt. This time, I'm glad to tell you it was more successful. We all walk through life with ourselves as our only true, unquestionable source of reference. From the moment that we leave the womb, we know only our own fears and desires firsthand. 
And we are left to guess at what other people are really thinking and feeling, what seeing life through their eyes might be like. We learn to see the me and the we as separate, existing at opposite ends of the spectrum. In fact, most respected models of human development are based on the ability to make this differentiation. Piaget and Freud would call us emotionally immature if we didn't build up those kinds of walls of separation. Becoming your own person, an individual, is the goal. Unitarian Universalism is, in many ways, a religion of individualism. We celebrate the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and our tradition has long affirmed personal experience as the ultimate source of truth over doctrine or dogma or tradition. As inclusive religious communities, we open our church doors to all, saying, come, here you can be your true self. Here you are free to believe and follow your own spiritual path. In many ways, we worship at the altar of individual religious freedom. But at the same time, our congregations are covenanted communities where we promise to come together in faith. From our earliest Unitarian roots, we have proclaimed the unity of God and the unity of creation. Francis David, the Bishop of Transylvania, so famously stated, God is indivisible. God is one. The early American Universalist Hosea Ballou preached that all of humanity shares a common source and a common destiny. He saw a loving God who created us all, made us siblings, and would never banish any of his children to an eternal hell. When I read Ballou, it makes me wonder, what about our commonality? between birth and death. To me, that's what really matters. And I have come to believe that we are not only linked in our history and in our future, but we also share a common now. The belief that we must give up some of ourselves to be part of that we, that's an illusion. The choice to participate in the interdependent web of life is not a choice at all. It is a given. A friend of mine named Jerry is a Roman Catholic priest. And Jerry is fond of saying, we can never know everything about God. But the one thing that we can say with certainty is God is. Now, whenever Jerry and I talk theology, I find myself largely agreeing with him, but with my own Unitarian Universalist spin on things. A couple of weeks ago, I told Jerry that what he calls God, I call interdependence. So for all the mystery in the world, the one thing that I can say for certain is Interdependence is.
Jerry challenged me to give him an example. I immediately thought of a couple that I had met years ago when I was serving as a chaplain in a hospital. Frank, the man of the couple, was undergoing treatment after treatment for leukemia. And his wife, Ellen, was there in the hospital room every day as his caregiver. I sat with them in that room often for hours. We talked about their faith, about their hopes and their dreams, about their fears and their uncertainties. Often we just sat together in silence. Some days Frank was all smiles and he would joke about his leukemia. He wondered aloud if God had it in for him because of all the swearing that he did during his days in the Navy. Other days, he could barely raise his head off the pillow. The chemotherapy drugs ravaging his body. As my time serving as their chaplain was coming to an end, Frank received the news that the cancer had spread to his brain and that he would be going into hospice care. Ellen and Frank and I prayed together that day and cried together. As they packed their bags and prepared for the final chapter of Frank's life, they thanked me for being there with them through their time at the hospital. Hearing that story, my priest friend Jerry asked me, so Bruce, where was your God in that experience? Was God directing your ministry with them? After thinking about those questions for a while, I replied to Jerry by saying that the God that I understand was at work in the interaction between Frank and Ellen and me. I saw holiness in the space between us, in the connection we made, in the love amidst the suffering. I believe that what I think of as God is present in my ministry, in the relationships. The love and the empathy that dwells in my heart is a product of all the people in my past who have nurtured it in me. It comes out of opening my eyes and my ears to the connections all around me. It comes from worshiping at the altar of interdependence. In the U2 song, Staring at the Sun, Bono sings these words. He says, summer stretches on the grass, summer dresses pass. In the shade of a willow tree, creeps are crawling over me, over me and over you, stuck together with God's blue. And it's gonna get stickier too. In Unitarian Universalism, we talk a lot about the web of life. We picture it as this great spider web of connection. We quote the words of Chief Seattle, who said, we did not weave the web of life, we are merely a strand in it. This affirmation informs our passion for caring for our precious planet. We recycle, 
We reuse, we put up solar panels, we advocate for responsible consumption. We are tree huggers and we are proud of it. This morning, I ask you, what might happen if we expanded our understanding of this interdependence, if we took it to the next level? If we named and claimed the web of life as the object of our worship, whether we think of ourselves as humanists or pagans or theists or just none of the above? What if we located the holy, not somewhere else, not in a book, not in a church, but in you and in me and in that mysterious space between us? If we realize we don't have the choice to live in isolation, if we encountered ourselves and others and everything that's alive as stuck together with God's glue. Now, as I said earlier, believing that the holy is present in relationships is often easier said than done. We have to constantly ask ourselves, do we really want to be stuck together, glued to others? during a pandemic, when not everyone is acting responsibly? Do we want to be attached to leaders who pass on conspiracy theories and who harass and attack peaceful protesters? Do we want to be stuck to, I don't know, that rude guy who cut the line in front of us at Kroger? We are reminded daily that being in relationship is complicated. As Bono says, it is a sticky business. Ignorance, intolerance, selfishness, greed are a part of the mix, like it or not. But if we are stuck together, bounded in relationship, we have no choice but to try to keep connected. We must be agents of change, preaching and teaching love and acceptance and living a life of compassion and probably most importantly, a life of forgiveness. For me, knowing that on a deep, maybe spiritual level, that annoying guy at the grocery store is actually a part of me and I of him that may not make me like him anymore, but it does make me pause and wonder, why does he act that way? What pain might lurk in his heart? How can I, in our momentary interaction, honor that glue that binds us together? And when I'm the one having a bad day, when I'm one of those mean people who suck because, well, we all have days like that, maybe the fact that I'm not alone, but bound to you, glued to the universe, maybe that can make it a little better. I believe that seeing the holy 
as the glue that binds life together, can help us make sense of things, can help us connect the bad oysters and the bumper stickers, the cracked pots, the hospital rooms, and the line jumpers at Kroger's. My friends, we can, we do live in relationship and not separation. We must unite that me and that we and truly live in the us. As challenging as all that is, we are blessed because we have beloved communities like this, which urge us on and call us back to a life wrapped up together by the glue that we might just call God. Communities that tell us that deep down across all of our distances, all of our disagreements, all of our separations, ultimately, this wild and wonderful life is about us. And so may it be. And amen.